1: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing but Net. We're there every single weeknight, even during the off season, at seven PM. Also check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Plenty of new shows there. You can catch Feel the Heat with Alana and Michael. That's one's coming back with a stream this week. We're probably going to do a Floors Yours episode there as well. So make sure. You subscribe. We haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Also, check out fivereasonsports.com, F I V E, Reasonsports.com. The ladies from Brady Hawk and others. We've added some new writers to our site. Congratulations to Paul Austria, our lead. Hurricanes writer Alex Baumgartner, our lead Panthers writer and Austin Robillard, our lead soccer writer. Also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. So many of them are local getting ready to watch a game here. Actually, as I do the podcast, the only thing better than cheering on your favorite team or rooting against the team is doing it with your favorite wings. Michael Miami grills got you covered bring home a platter of your faves to share for the game tonight just how you like them crispy and grilled naked or boneless and sauce perfection one of three new sauces that's mango habanero honey garlic and nashville hot if you can't decide get them all delivered with a catering order there's more than just wings too. order for the whole family cheesesteaks, gyros burgers and more and don't forget for a limited time you can also get your miami grill collectible cup featuring artwork by four different winwood mural fest artists Collect all four. Buy yours for $2.99 or upgrade your meal deal to a larger size for $2.99 and get more fries and the cup. Order online or in person. Pick up, drive through dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. Visit MyMiamiGrill.com for more details. Miami Grill, if you're craving it, they're making it. And, of course, this raises a debate about what is Miami exactly? We had this debate on Twitter. Whatever it is, check out Miami Grill. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome into five I'm on the floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Here is today's floor plan. We continue with our off scenes and episodes. Make sure to check out our five-part series about the Pet Riley Press Conference. We covered a lot of the key players on the team. We finished with Robinson, Nunn, and Dragic in the last episode. That one's getting a lot of play on our feed. So make sure that you check that one out. A lot of opinions about that. Before we start today's episode, Greg, I will allow you to weigh in on this because it's been a big debate on Twitter. What qualifies as Miami.
0: Oh, I mean, I said it to you in, in the in the comments, and I think it applies. Actually, I've had a few people hit me up in the DMs and say that I am, I think, even geographically accurate in saying that anything north of Aventura Mall is no longer Miami.
1: I'm going to go further south and I'm and I'm and I'm further north. I live off, you know, I live a block away from Las Olas, so I'm I'm a Lauderdale boy now. Um, I, I I'm gonna say it's actually a little bit further south. I I think Ives Dairy. I I would I would go one or two exits further south. Yeah, I think I, to me, Aventura is Broward. I I don't. I mean, it's Broward, right? It's
0: Broward. I think it's right on the county line on the Dade County side. I mean, and I don't like- want to claim it in
1: Broward. I hate that mall, but I, <laughs> yeah. I. You you try to get in and out of that mall like uh, there. Well, you don't live down here anymore, but I mean, trying to get in and out of that mall like at rush hour. That's oh, nice. I know.
0: I mean, the only thing that brings back worse memories is 163rd Street Mall. Oh, but let's yeah, not
1: no. let me not show my age too much. No, no, that one's bad. But yeah, I, Ives Dairy, trying to get off the exit at 995 is just uh, let's just say, I don't know. There's a there's a certain establishment that uh, Paul George and others frequent. I think we're going to make that the line of demarcation. Uh, that's that's a little bit more Miami Gardens. All right. Let's get to the episode today. We're going to do uh, three or four of these as well. We're trying to package some stuff in series. Uh, Barry Jackson wrote a piece for the Herald. We actually teased this before Barry wrote it. So Barry, if you're listening, we appreciate it. If you weren't listening, we had the same damn idea. So here we go. We're going to take a look at kind of (laughs) best of the worst case scenarios for the heat. Like that's what we're calling this. The best of the bad scenarios, the best of being down bad. Uh, The heat, were not supposed to be in a position in 2021 where they were going to have to take someone else's leftovers and they may still not have to. Okay, but obviously we're about ready to watch Giannis play here as we do this podcast in game four of the second round. He was supposed to be a member of the Miami Heat next year, according to a lot of people, uh, as were others. But really, it's Kyle Lowry and a bunch of nothing as free agents in 2021. So we're going to take a look at some of the players who could be available to the Heat that maybe they could resurrect their career. Expensive players that their current teams may not want anymore, but could pair with some of the current players in the team. And we've talked about it. It's Bam and it's Jimmy and it's everybody else. Okay. So these are guys that you could put in there with Bam and with Jimmy. We're going to start with the front court today. And actually Barry covered one of these guys in his piece happens to be the one that I kind of like the best actually, but we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about four players in particular, four front court players who could give the heat some of what they lacked this last season, um, but all of them would be, uh, they're, you know, they're scratched up assets at this point. Okay. Um, you know, they have to be fixed up. Christoph Porzingis of the Dallas Mavericks, who just, I think, averaged three rebounds in their first round series loss to the Clippers. Al Horford, um, who was kind of, I don't know, pushed out in Boston and then Philadelphia and then in OKC was playing pretty well actually for a, with a young team and then was kind of told to go away in part because he was playing too well. They were trying to lose more games and he, he had a good relationship with Sam Presti and they, he, he accepted it. They went public with it and all that Kevin love. People know my personal opinion about Kevin love as a player. Um, we're going to get into him, but obviously the Cleveland situation, they continue to sort of rebuild eternally. Kevin love had a couple of situations this year. where It didn't look like he was on the same page, including one where he inbounded to no one. And then uh, sort of a fourth guy who doesn't have quite as high a profile, hasn't been an all-star like the other three have, uh, but that's Steven Adams, who uh, was picked up by David Griffin, I think in a move that they came to regret uh, with New Orleans, does not seem like the best fit next to Zion. So we're going to go through these four guys. Porzingis, of course, adds you know a stretch player. Um, when he's at his best, he can be a top scorer. Uh, again, can be a little bit lazy as a rebounder or a defender. Al Horford offers intelligence, uh, can stretch the floor still, is a very good positional defender, not a shot blocker. Kevin Love, we know what he used to offer. He was a premium rebounder and scorer back in the day. Um, still can be dangerous from the three-point line. I'm not sure he offers some of the other stuff that he used to. And then Steven Adams is basically a big body rebounder, um, essentially. Uh, we, we saw the value of that in a guy like, you know, guy just patrol the paint, guy like a Brook Lopez. We saw the value of that against the Heat. So let's take a look at, at these four. And, of course, the Heat need all of that. They need a stretch player on the front court. They need more intelligence in the front court to pair with Bam. Uh, they could use a stretch player, which, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Kevin Love would be that also. And, and he and Steven Adams are both plus rebounders. So... Let's start here with the number one, uh, I think, on people's list, Kristaps Porzingis. What is his contract status, Greg? And I guess, can he be redeemed? So his contract status, this would be the biggest investment of the guys that we're
0: discussing today, um, but also would come with maybe the biggest amount of hope, uh, trafficking uh, components, you know, with him. And so essentially, he is owed $31.6 million next season, Uh, and that contract runs through technically 2024, but in 2023, he does have a player option, um, a $36 million player option. So, I mean, you would think as it's, as he's trending, he's going to pick that up, but we've seen guys have resurrections and then think that they can get four more years at a high number. So he could opt out, but ultimately you're looking at if, if they were to bring on Porzingis, it would be definitively the third guy from a salary perspective, um, And maybe even, uh, I mean, if you factor in Lowry, it can end up that you'd have four big salary players when you think about him. But, to and I'm going to go, I'll flip it back to you here because I'm interested to hear your perspective on Porzingis because I feel like of all these guys, he's the one at 25 years and 11 days old that if you could revive him, he's the guy that has the most upside. Ethan, do you disagree with that?
1: Not from an age perspective, no. Um, You know, I... I'm in a weird position on Porzingis because actually I alienated his, I think then agent, I don't know if it's still his agent, Andy Miller on the very first day of uh, summer league, because uh, he was getting pushed around in the paint in his first game. And I kind of overreacted to a summer league game and went off on him a little bit in a piece for bleacher report. And his agent decided to never speak to me again. So I have a little bit of a, uh, Again, twisted view of him, as I may have Kevin Love. Um, Clearly, the skill set is there. I I think, and again, you mentioned the upside from an age perspective. I I think the biggest issue with Porzingis, to me, is is he a Heat player? Um, I think that Al Horford and Steven Adams are Heat players. Like, Al's a guy that the Heat have been in on before. And obviously, there's relationships and Al's father and everything else and playing down here in Miami. I mean, there is, I mean... There's a comfort level with Al. Like Al is the type of guy like Eric Spulsher would immediately trust. Like he's a he's an Iguadala, he's an Ariza, he's a badier. He's a, I mean, he is Al is the type of player who finishes his career with Miami. Like that is like he is. I mean he, he's just a quality person. He's, I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, Al Al is Al, okay. Um, and Steven Adams has a heat persona. I mean, he he plays hard, okay. Um, the other two guys, I, you know, I, and we'll, we'll touch on love separately because love may be somewhat a product of circumstance. But with Porzingis, there are legitimate questions here. He, he doesn't ever seem to be happy. Um, you know, I, there were the reports that came out from, I think it was Tim McMahon, who to me, other than Mark Stein, is the most credible reporter on Dallas. The Mavericks, for sure. Right. And he's always been extremely plugged in there. And he reported that Porzingis was not happy. Sort of not being treated as an equal co-star to Luka Doncic, which is sort of ludicrous, crazy. Um, so I wonder about that, and also the Heat just got into this thing with a guy who, from a reputation and personality standpoint, has some similarities to Porzingis in Oladipo, um, and it didn't work out all that well. Another guy with an injury history. I mean, I don't know that that chapter is closed at this point, but it seems to be closing uh, and and just an attitude about maybe being a little bit more about himself than than about the team. So I wonder about that. I do think from an age and a skill set perspective, he does make the more sense of these four. I mean, he's closer to Bam's window than Jimmy's, but he he helps during Jimmy's window.
0: Yeah he like bridges the gap and and, you know like to your point about him being a Miami Heat player that was something that I initially that hit me in the gut too but I remember back to slightly before he was traded um, from New York to Dallas if you guys remember uh, he was traded to Dallas with Courtney Lee Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke for Dennis Smith Jr. Wes Matthews DeAndre Jordan and two first round picks one of which is unprotected uh, 2021 first round pick and I had heard that Miami essentially threw all the players they could at New York to get Porzingis, but didn't have the picks. Shocker. Um, So because they were interested then, at least by virtue of what I heard, it, it, it leads me to believe that at least they wanted to take a shot. Now, maybe that has changed, but I think you're right. That probably a guy like Al Horford, as we pivot to, to other guys on this list is probably a better fit and also a shorter term investment.
1: Right. That's the other thing. I mean, this would be a longer investment for them Um, and it would have to be a player that uh, that Jimmy vibed with, right? Like that's, that's part of it. Now I do think having Bam there to cover up for the fact that Porzingis defensively may not be as active as you would like, but does provide somewhat of a rim deterrent. Um, I I, I think that there could be a fit there. I, I just wonder about the Jimmy, Porzingis personality fit, um, seems a little awkward to me. Uh, but, but again, I mean, look, I mean, Jimmy's played with guys before that you wouldn't think it would work, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it didn't work with Carl Anthony towns necessarily, who's to me a more gifted version of Porzingis. Um, so I, so th- that, that would be where I would raise the questions. I could definitely see the upside play. I can see Spolstra envisioning, you know, a, a way to unlock some things with, with, por- I mean, there's, the talent is sort of unquestioned. I mean, the talent is there. I mean, he, he 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 can he can score in space, uh he's he can play near the rim. He has been a good rebounder at times. I, that that disintegrated you know, during that playoff series. Um, and defensively, there is a skill set there that they could at least work with. But again, I just wonder, is he <laughs> is he a heat guy? and again, let's I think what we also need to frame with all this is, what are we looking at in terms of of sending there right yeah. like okay so Beat so let's it. let's start there before we pivot to al good good good
0: call i was trying to go too quickly to al horford because i like elements of the trades that we've talked about there at least that have been floating around Porzingis at 31 million essentially uh the question is what would Dallas want in return and how depressed of an asset we've used this term depressed asset, which sounds weird to talk about humans that way, but for the, you know, they're We're talk, talking about it in terms of basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. If it was Goren and Iggy, like that's what you sent the two team options, you pick them up and you send it. And, and like, essentially that's it. Maybe with a smaller asset of some kind, I could, I could see that being something that uh, maybe Miami thinks about, but anything more than that, I just think you can't turn in any more picks unless you're really sure about it.
1: Well, let, let's rank um, as we go through this, let's rank in order of how desperate each of the current teams that has the player is to get rid of the player, right? How, how would you rank that? Cause it, it didn't feel like, OKC was desperate to get rid of Al. They just, no. Yeah. I mean, as long
0: they, they, they can just keep him away. So it's right. like- they
1: keep him away. And, and at this point they could play him. I mean, I know that they played Moses Brown and some others, but I mean, they could play him. Um, I, I feel like Cleveland wants to be done with Kevin Love. Right. Yeah.
0: That feels buyout-ish to me though. I feel mm-hmm. like the trade thing would have happened a long time ago if it was really gonna materialize. And Steven Adams, I mean, for all the talk of what he may not be, he's still 27 years old and still um, and he feels
1: older than that. I, I yeah. He's,
0: I mean, I, I just feel like you can make him work and he kind of um you know what you're going to get from them. So to me, there's almost an element of this in a weird way where I feel like the most pressure is on Dallas because they have to surround Luka with, with more talent immediately. They have the flexibility to kind of shake things up and make a splash. So to me, I feel like the most pressure is on them. I don't know if it's to move Porzingis in a
1: vacuum, but it's to make something change. Well, how, how does – okay, so how does the trade work from their perspective? Say you're sending – I mean, they, they do need another point guard. I mean, they have, I, and there were reports that they may get in on Lowry, but I I, I think Lowry is going to, I mean, Lowry going to determine his own fate. Um, but they, they need a point guard so that Luca doesn't have to play point guard all the time. So, I mean, Goran, I, I mean, Goran has made sense in Dallas forever. I mean, but then they didn't want him, which made no sense. Uh, but I would think at this point now that it, it, Luca is, you know, developed enough of a power, you know, play inside the organization he has enough status that if he says yeah I mean, if there's two trades on the table and one is going to get him goran Dragic for a year right yeah. on the opt-in and then, the other's going to get player x he's right then, then he's gonna he's gonna push for them to take the heat deal right like and if you're if you're cuban and carlisle like or donnie nelson if he's still making decisions there you 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 take the deal that luca wants right we've talked about that a lot with jimmy uh, except it's even more important with Luca, like he, he, he's signing the extension this offseason, as he said, right, $200 million. So if that's the case, then, I, you know, then then the Goron package may interest them. I don't know that you have to sweeten it with anything. Honestly, I don't really know that he'd have anything to sweeten it with. Right. I mean, that's precious. I guess, I mean, extra big, maybe, maybe they want to take a flyer on KZ as they, they don't really have a ton of athleticism on that team. I guess Finney Smith. And I mean, they don't really have a lot. So maybe, maybe KZ is somebody that would interest them as a developmental project. Um, but, but I, I guess as we move to Al next, my thing on Porzingis is I do agree with you of the four because of age, And because of skill set, I do think he has the most upside. I think it is something where they would have to make sure he's a cultural fit. Uh, Even more so than the injury history. Now, I I don't know what the injuries. I mean, he had the knee. Um, You know, Carlisle put it out there that it's the healthiest he's been. I feel like that was, again, sort of what Pat was doing with Hero, um, where you're trying to prime an asset a little bit but you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, again, I, I, the talent base is there culturally, physically, is it worth it? If you're not planning on like giving Goron big money anyway, and that's going to become an issue. And we know Iggy is probably not going to be here next year anyway, then it might make sense. The other thing is you could potentially look at, we've talked about the Josh Richardson thing, right? I mean, I, I mean, you, you, you could, you could increase the package in some way, and bring Josh back. I mean, Josh has the opt in that he could decide to do, which is what? $11 million. Is that right? So, yeah, and I think
0: he will. I mean, like he kind of really cratered at the end of the season and the he right. also loved Dorian Finney Smith. I mean, they, that was yeah, one yeah. of their undrafted targets too, but so, I don't I mean, know that I, they would move. I don't know. That agreed. They would, agreed. I know we were opening too big of can of worms. Yeah. But I, I don't know that they
1: wouldn't move him, but I, but, but I, I do think if, if they moved Josh, you know, and, and you expand the package somehow that maybe that, would make Tim some kind of sense because, again, if, you tr- if you're trading Iguodala and you're keeping Ariza, Josh becomes the Iguodala replacement, essentially, right? I mean, that's as, as your wing defender. All right, we're going to get to – we are going to get to the rest of these guys uh, as we go, we promise. Just wanted to kind of uh, sort of set the – the stage there with everything else. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor, the Five Reasons Sports Network. If you're doing any betting on the conference finals, you got to go to my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag. Of course, you can also bet baseball, hockey, everything else there. But if you want to bet the NBA, for sure do it on mybookie.ag. Use the code 5-F-I-V-E. That's the code five F I V E. Mybookie.ag allows you to do the live betting during the games. Also, which means if you're going the wrong way, bet it the other way at halftime. Also, you can bet. You can participate in the weekly blackjack tournaments to give you and your friends a crack at prize pools up to 50 grand get your first deposit matched up to a thousand bucks by using the code five that's a code five f-i-v-e it's real simple bet anything anytime anywhere with my dot a g again use that code five all right let's get to al horford now um like i said earlier al is the type of guy that finishes his career with a heat uh and he's been with, you know, two Northeast organizations with two very rough fan bases. And, it, it, and in Boston, I feel like they appreciate him more since he's gone. Um, in Philadelphia, it was I think he was the victim of bad roster construction. Like, I, he, he, right. He was never going to fit next to Embiid. And he got blamed for basically Elton Brand trying to put, you know, two players like himself together in the front court. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but, but, and also because he wasn't Jimmy, right? Because they re signed Tobias and they brought him in and, and they, they've done better kind of doing playing a, l- a little more spacers there, going a little bit smaller at the four this year, playing Tobias uh, at that spot. Um, but again, he, he's a quality person, quality player. He's not a long term solution. He's not the sexy addition that people were hoping for. But when Barry put that lineup together on Twitter, like, again, I, that's a functional playoff lineup. I I guess the question is, um, and then there's the extra bonus that we've been trying to talk about getting that pick unprotected from OKC. So what is what are the mechanics of that look like? And then we'll look at the fit with Bam.
0: Yeah, so what Barry Jackson proposed, and I think it's super viable, is a swap that would be something like this. Obviously, things can change slightly from a salary matching perspective, but it would be something like Al Horford for the Goran Dragic contract, we'd say, because we know he wouldn't stay in OKC. Something like KZ Akpala. They have uh, an option on Omer you're at seven. I hope, hopefully I said that right. So they could pick that up. And this was the element of it that Barry mentioned that I think heat fans are missing here. And that was that there would be the potential to do some sort of pick swap where you get the 2023 pick back and you give them your 2028 pick. And by getting the 2023 pick back, you would then unlock all of the other draft picks that are currently uh, kind of paralyzed by the steepian rule. So, um so that would be a huge plus because i think something that we can't lose sight of is that if the heat don't get their their whale this summer and you know kyle lowry excluded they need to protect the ability to put together picks and contracts to still look out for another piece and this would kind of unlock that so i i like that element of the deal never mind the fact that al horford is a fit as well
1: yeah okay so let's look at fit with bam um Al's never been a shot blocker. That's, that's not his game, uh, but he's in the right place at the right time. Typically. Um, he, he's not afraid to guard anybody. Uh, I don't know who's the four and who's the five between him and bam. I don't think it matters. I, and I get, again, I know that this is going to sound weird when I just said putting two bigs together in Philadelphia didn't work, but, but bam's a different big than, than MB. Like, I, how do I feel like this would work better Um. Then yeah. that did Embiid wants to come out and stretch the floor a lot. Right. Like that's part of, I mean, sometimes that he gets away from what he does best. Cause he does that. How do you see the bass? There's no question in my mind that Jimmy and, and Al would, would vibe. I, I, f- I feel like that, that would be fine. Like he would trust Al there. Would, so, so how, what is the bam outfit?
0: It's a good question. I think that it would be a situation where they would start games with those two, but you'd see them playing probably um, apart from each other also to some degree, but I think that there is a fit there. I don't know that it's a perfect fit and you obviously would need your shooters to be firing on all cylinders, but uh, Al Horford has shown he could stretch a little bit further out. I think I, the last I saw uh, someone in our network and I can't forget who I, or I can't remember who it was said he shot what 37% on five attempts or something like that. So that's a little bit more than Bam. So maybe you space him out a little bit like they used Myers Leonard, but obviously he's Al Horford's a little bit more of a utility player. So like that would kind of be the vision for it. And then I think you just see a lot of them sizing down and then
1: using Horford at the five at times too. Yeah. And, and Al has, uh, you know, also been a guy who's played with a ton of different types of players. I do feel like again, any type of player, but Embiid for him, uh, would have, would have been okay. Uh, honestly, I, I guess the, the final thing on this, before we move on to other players is, you know, when I talk about pairing him with Bam, I mean, that assumes that that Spolcher is going to get away from this idea of playing undersized, you know, a uh, playing wings at the four. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so he, you're right. He might not. Right. Like, I don't
0: think <laughs> he's going to, I think that like, as much as I want to say, Pat Riley is the uh, ultimate authority in this particular circumstance, I I believe that the fan base may be putting too much weight on Riley's words in the press conference, and I don't see Spolstra deviating from what I mean. When you watch the Western Conference Finals, I mean everyone's sizing down. So it's or excuse me, the Western Conference Semifinals, everybody's sizing down. So at some point, I feel like it's not that it's broken what
1: Spolstra's doing. But so, but I do think with Porzingis, you're getting him to be a starter with Band. You're right. You're so forced. so. So Spolster has to adjust to that. And probably if, like you said, if they were willing to go make the move before he likely was willing to do it with Horford, I feel like, again, you're adding a big to the rotation that he'll trust who could play down the stretch of games. Also, because uh, he likes to have good decision makers and at the end of the game, as any coach would, he tends to lean on them maybe more than some fans would like, uh, maybe over a more talented player. But I, I feel like not that Al's not talented, but he's not the talent he was 10 years ago um, when obviously, you know, people were maxing him out and all the rest of that stuff. Um, so I, I feel like Al is more of a rotational big who would probably get big minutes in playoff series as opposed to being a full-time starter, perhaps. All right, Uh, let's get to the next one here. Actually, before we do that, we'll tell you about another sponsor because I need a drink before I discuss this one. That's our friends over at Biscayne Bay Brewing. Biscayne Bay Brewing, of course, is the official beer of the Five Reasons Sports Network. It's also the only independent brewery in South Florida. The building a tap house right there in Miami, downtown location. It's literally walking distance from the arena. We are hoping, we are hoping, they're going to get mad at me if I talk about this publicly. So I will, uh, we're hoping it's going to be ready by the end of July. If it is, uh, we'll certainly be in there. I was going to say for Marlins playoff baseball, but I don't think we're getting that. So, uh, certainly by the, the start of next season, uh, we will be in there. We'll be ha- doing pregames, postgames, all kinds of stuff from the Biscayne Bay brewing brew house in downtown Miami. We actually checked it out. It's one of it beginning of construction. It's a huge facility. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and again, they're the official beer of the Miami Marlins, five reasons sports. They've got a booth at the arena, um, you can try the pastime pilsner, the tropical bay IPA, the Marlins Lager, the Miami Pale Ale. Ask for it by name at your local establishment or your local supermarket. All right, let's get to the next guy, Kevin Love. Um you I I covered was the one that was Kevin Love. make you drink. Well, I covered Kevin for a year in, in Cleveland. Um and uh I, I don't know. I, I was kind of a little bit caught in the crossfire because I was, you know, I was a Chris Bosch stan. Um I'm kind of the one that created a little bit of controversy because i asked chris uh after a practice sort of an offhand conversation we were having about you know what kevin love was in for in cleveland being the third wheel behind you know lebron and a great guard uh which was going to be between lebron behind lebron and kyrie like bosh was with with lebron and and duane and uh you know chris as he does spoke very honestly about what kevin love was going to encounter and he talked about the buffet. It's like going to a restaurant and instead of the buffet, it's like they just the waiter just brings you your food and says, this is what you'll have like it (laughs) Uh, analogy. And and then that that story didn't post for Bleacher Report for like five days. I I was arguing with my boss about I don't know what the hell he was holding it for. And then I was in Brazil um, staying at the Heat Hotel prior to the Heat playing against LeBron's Cavs in the preseason in Rio, literally across I- Ipanema beach, like, like down the street. And I get in the elevator the day that it posts on bleach report and who am I in the elevator with, with, but CB and CB just looked at me and smiles. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, I said it. And that was it. Uh, and that thing like took off. And Kevin love, uh, obviously read that story. And Kevin love then encountered pretty much everything that, uh, Chris Bosh and encountered, but in my view, even though they won a championship did not handle it as well. Um, LeBron didn't help with the fit in, fit out stuff and all that. But I think Kevin Love is very, I mean, a lot of admiration for a lot of the work he's done behind the scenes and off the court. Uh, But I do think he's a difficult teammate from everything that I sort of encountered what I'd heard about in Minnesota and kind of what's played out in Cleveland a little bit. Um, You know, I, I, you know, here's my attitude when when you take the money on a rebuilding team, when you take the money, you, you, you deal with the consequences of it i mean like you sort of don't have the right to pout anymore and it seems like he's done a hell of a lot of pouting um so really with kevin love it comes down to a couple things to me one is is he a heat player in other words if he got in the right situation again i there's no question spolster loves the skill set i've heard that for years it, it makes sense i mean the passing ability i mean i there's so much that eric has done with bam probably wanted to do with Kevin love. If he ever got him down here, uh, obviously the ability to space, he was an elite rebounder back in the day. He still can be when he cares, but he's kind of a lazy defender. Um, you know, one sequence against Steph Curry in the finals, doesn't erase all of that. So I guess the question is a, is he a heat player and B what is left for him? Like, right. Cause I mean, this is the no, this is really a no brainer that this is the guy if, if, if we still felt he was the Kevin Love of five, six years ago, but for sure. It doesn't appear that he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a sheer basketball perspective, if Kevin Love was any semblance of what he showed to be not last year, but the year before or the seasons prior, I think that he's absolutely a fit. And I think the passing is something that is underrated in terms of what Spolstra would want to gravitate towards as it you know relates to Kevin Love. Uh, His contract, again, just to kind of set us in reality here, he's due $31.2 million next season at age 33. And then he has another year at 28.9. So he has one of those weird contracts where the last season it actually declines in value uh, on a per year basis. And then he's unrestricted in 2023, 32 years old. Um, You know, the uh, kind of the heat player stuff aside, because I think that they could make him work um and he's shown enough professionalism to be on unwinning on teams and i mean trust me i've had to delete a lot of kevin love tweets i was just as hard on him as you were ethan and back then i did not have any magnifying glass on me so i kind of said whatever i wanted and um and i you know d- take back a lot of that stuff. Cause I, I don't mean any harm to Kevin Love. I've never been a fan of his game, but I think he could absolutely fit. But to me, like in order to take Kevin Love on, I, you're going to need to send me Colin Sexton with him. And I don't think Cleveland's willing to do that.
1: Well, m- but maybe they are right. Like we don't, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know that there, there's any proof that the, the Sexton Garland backcourt works. So if they're going to shoot now, they, they already gave up on on Kevin Porter Jr., right? So he was part of this mix, too. I don't really know their direction. I, I'm a little confused. Again, I, I know Kobe Altman a little bit. I, he's actually been given a, a longer uh, stay there than I anticipated based on the speed of the rebuild. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Sexton seems to me like a guy who you know does fit a heat culture profile in terms of his just his aggressiveness and, and everything else. But I don't, uh, and I, when I mean aggressiveness, I mean t- towards the work and sort of a relentless, you know, attitude that he has. I think there's refinements they would need to certainly make to his game. Um, but I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't rule that out. I, I guess, you know, again, it depends what you're getting. I'm watching Blake Griffin here, who we all mocked him, right? And, and he's provided something for, for Brooklyn because he's, he's been put in a situation where he cares again. Uh, so I, you may get the one-year rejuvenation season from Kevin Love. I, I don't know that you can count on more than that, but yeah. you might get that. I just don't know. What, again, I come back to this with Jimmy. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Like the the way Love has conducted himself the past like three, four years, I, I just, I, I don't know. That one. Here, here's the other thing that, like, if we want to just keep
0: it basketball, and I guess this applies to Horford to some degree too. Um, if we're approaching like Lowry is coming, uh, which maybe that's a false assumption we shouldn't make, but let's just do it for the sake of this show, Lowry and love with Jimmy Bim and Duncan. To me, that feels like a slow lineup. And maybe I'm just mm-hmm. not a basketball savant enough to dissect it in a way where it makes sense. But to me, there's something about that. That feels like
1: there's certain teams Very that to put offense. them on skates. That, that, that feels to me like a, a Pat Riley nineties lineup a little bit. Yeah right? Like where but it's where, not the nineties. Lowry is hard away. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean really in terms of athletic, cause Jimmy is not, you know, an elite athleticism player either. So really you've got one athlete in that starting lineup Who's bam. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it is, it is a drill down in the playoffs. These are my five. I'm closing with these five. These are the five I trust. You know, there's plenty of big game experience in that lineup. Um, there's enough shooting in that lineup with, with love and Duncan um, and Lowry. And I mean, there's enough, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a late nineties lineup. <laughs> kind of. You'd
0: have to have the contrasting players on the other end of the bench so that you had the ability to play faster throughout the regular season. Cause your, your point five on the floor. Absolutely. You could put those five on the floor in the playoffs, but in February of the regular season, I think you're going to need faster legs.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get to the last one here again. Check out our sponsors, uh, Biscuit and Bay Brewing, MyBookie, and Miami Grill. Use the code uh, 5 at MyBookie.ag. Steven Adams, I mean, he solves one problem for Miami. He he rebounds. Like, that's – if you want a rebounder of this group, like, that's I, – I know it's crazy to say that when Kevin Love is in the mix, but I, I feel like at this stage – and I'm a little surprised, against Steven Adams is just 27. Um, But can you commit to – Steve? I mean, w- what would you send – uh, Griff and Stan Van Gundy there in, in new Orleans. And, and, and can you commit to Steven Adams starting next? I mean, you're basically making bam a four essentially, if you're doing this. Yeah. And
0: th- this is the weird thing with him is that um, he, he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, and he was set to make $27 million or he made $27 million this past season. And if I'm not mistaken, he signed a two year extension, two year $35 million extension. So you're looking at uh, through 2023, him making 17 and 17.9 million. So this would be a situation where you'd have to ask, like, because I think New Orleans would. Um, At some level, they're going to need something to make this make sense because that's a team that also has playoff aspirations. So it's like, it's going to have to be more than Iguodala. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't know that Miami is
1: willing to do that. Yeah. And, and um, again, he's, you know, you're committing to a different style of basketball. I, I feel, you know, this, but this gets back to that Pat Riley call. Like, I mean, he harped on the weaknesses we need to address. And the first, very first thing that he harped on was rebounding. Yeah,
0: And UD always says no rebounds, no rings, but you know, Correct. What? like they've showed that they can get to the finals playing that way.
1: Right. And I just, that's why, you know, the five pods we did on the Riley call it's how much stock you want to put into some of the things Pat said and how much would actually be put into application by Eric Spolster on the court. I mean, I I feel like they want to have the extra bigs around, but not necessarily use a play style that accommodates them where they're at the forefront, right? Like, yeah. I, I, Essentially, so, as
0: we've gone through these names, Ethan, I'm at the point
1: where I'm out on all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Porzingis is the highest upside. Al is the most seamless fit in terms of, you know, not gonna, gonna disturb your culture in any way. And 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 offers the extra benefit of unlocking that pick potentially. Uh, Kevin Love has the all-star pedigree, the passing ability that may be most interesting to Spolstra, but maybe not necessarily the best fit from a personality standpoint in the current locker room. And Steven Adams is just, if you want to bowl basically to get you some boards. So I, I, I feel like I'll ask you this. We have to close. We have to, we need an answer though. Yeah. The best of the bad options, I guess is. So to me, um, a, an Al Horford
0: or Porzingis and Kyle Lowry off season that feels to me like it's in the ballpark of the Brian Grant, Eddie Jones offseason or the uh James Posey, Jay Will, Antoine Walker uh offseason, like that like big move. Uh and so those are gonna be my two. And if I have to go with one over the other, I
1: am I'm going Porzingis, actually. I'm going with Al. I'm going with Al. But I Porzingis would be second to me. But I I I would go with Al. Um, just because I, I just don't know that you're going to see the same poor Zingas again. And I, I, I'd rather make the shorter term commitment to one of these guys than the longer term commitment. I think that's... I read Nikaias Duncan's column and he talked me into it. Sorry. Well, there you go. <laughs> Nikaias is always the final authority. All right. Again, check out our sponsors, Miami grill, go to mymiamigrill.com. My use the code five and Biscayne the way brewing after that episode, I need a few of those.